On this episode of the Atlas Air Guns podcast, we talk to Doug, the inventor and manufacturer of the stud mag feeder, loader, and high-capacity magazine. With a background in machining, molding, and plastics, Doug now uses additive manufacturing to make his stud products, bringing innovative solutions to FX shooters. You're obviously the, the owner and inventor of the stud mag loader system. You have your website, dlhdev.com. All right, well, let's dive into this new product. Um, you just launched it and you just got the patent filed or that's being requested, right? Um, the first question I have for you, can you tell us the difference between your old uh, feeder loader system versus this new product? Yeah, the main difference is the new DTM direct-to-mag loader doesn't require an intermediate uh, load between sorting. So with the uh, stud mag loader system, there's two components to it. There's the sorter, so you pour the pellets in, you shake it, and the pellets all go in the holes. Then you load them in a loader, which in turn you load them into the magazine of the air gun. The reason you need to do that is you need to have the pellets facing head down to go into the magazine. The elegance of the stud DTM, which stands for direct to mag loader, is it has a feature in it that allows it to sort just like the stud loader, but instead of requiring an intermediate load into the loader, there's a feature in it that allows the holes to essentially to change shape and they'll drop directly into the magazine of the air gun. And you're still required to go through each one of these and, and actually machine the actual feeder that's been integrated now into that system, right? Yeah, this, the tolerances required on the holes are about 50 microns. Um, we can print that close, but we want perfection, so we always go back and secondarily machine all the holes. Do you have to do that in each hole, or are, do you, are you able to do all the holes at once? Every hole has to be done individually. And then we go back with uh, a gauge fin set, go no go set, and we make sure they're to specifications. Wow, that's really incredible. So when are these chain mags, uh, this is kind of switching subjects now, but I've been seeing a lot of uh, talk on forums and, and YouTube and places like that about these, these large capacity magazines, the 40 round that we previously talked about in the last episode. When are these going to be made for the impact? I know you conveyed your desire to fill out your products for other FX guns. Um, can you tell us when that's going to be made for the impact? You're, you're referring to the 40 round magazine? Correct. I don't know. One of the things, one of the reasons that we designed this DTM loader specifically for the impacts was to address the need to load impact magazines. One of the, the things great about an impact magazine, they already have a, a large capacity. So, you know, like a, a 22 round FX impact magazine, I think has 28 rounds. If we make a 40 round magazine for it, we'll only have another, you know, 12 rounds. There's, it's debatable whether it's really, we'll see what happens. Um, we started shipping this product two days ago and there's nothing that we've ever introduced that sold this fast, ever. 
Yeah, the it's kind of a segue that I brought that up, but at the same time, I think they're married that that issue because when I talk to a lot of people with feedback with the last episode, I'm sure the same questions that I've gotten, you've gotten a thousand times, which is, when are you going to make this forty round magazine for other guns? Yeah, the biggest the biggest need right now is for the Maverick Dreamline Crown because that has a very small magazine and people like a lot of you know they like forty rounds. We have to, we've got the, that magazine done in 177 and 22. That's 25 is next, and then maybe a 30. Um, so they, they can be looking for a 25 caliber in that magazine. That'll, that'll be done by, you know, maybe February, March of this year. And so jumping back to this new product, what lines can you buy this product for? Like, is it a, just an impact or are they available for other FX lines? Right now, we designed them just for the FX Impact. Right now, that line will only be going to the FX Impact. Um, again, because we've got solutions for the Crown and the Dream Line and the Maverick, which is the 40-round magazine. So this is available right now in stock in 22. We'll be doing 177 and 25. The customers will be able to order those within the next 30 days. And we'll probably stop there. Um, and then we'll just see what happens. So you have this really nice microscope. When you go to a higher caliber, let's say a 30 caliber uh, pellet or slug, are there larger discrepancies on the production of those, those pellets? No, they seem to be pretty consistent. You know, say the tolerance is plus or minus a thousandth of an inch. It appears to be the same over all the pellets. Okay, so I wanted to jump in. I had a lot of positive feedback on the last episode about just the manufacturing process, and I thought I could spend a couple minutes with you on patents because I am very ignorant of it, and there's a lot of people in our community that are small-time manufacturers, and they aspire to be someone that's doing kind of the production that you're doing someday. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity to ask a few questions, and one of them is, can you just tell us and explain the patent process for the layman? There's two different types of patents. There's a utility patent and there's a design patent. Um, I have about 15 utility patents and about 10 design patents. Most of those relative to my previous uh, uh, ownership of the other company where I did the injection molding. Um, the new DTM magazine is the, or the, the, excuse me, the new DTM loader is the first product that studs introduced that, that we're filing a utility patent on. So utility basically means is we're filing patents on specific features of this device. And it actually refers to the shape of the holes essentially changing shape through a mechanism. Um, the rest of our product line, we have patents filed and pending on the design, which basically means if you make anything that looks like our magazine, it doesn't, it's not, I'm not talking about the stud trademark or any of that, but if you make anything that shape with the features that look like that, we're going to sue you. And that stops people from copying the design the, the, it, it, with a design patent. Utility patents are much more involved, much more difficult to get because those refer to the functions and inside the patents, you, you actually uh, declare claims. I think there's 13 claims on this product. Um, and basically what you do is you're trying to carve out, it's almost like you're trying to carve out real estate. And you say, we own 
this yard, we own the tree that's in the yard, we own the apple that's on the tree. So that's what you're basically doing with utility patent. And when you go to file a patent, how long until you know that uh, it's passed and that you've actually received that, that patent for your product? The first thing we do before we invest the considerable sum of patent cost, um, especially utility patent, we have a, we have a, a, a patent search done. Uh, so our team, I start telling what I want to do, and like we, we, we worked on this for quite a while. Um, I describe to them what it is. I show them what it is. They go out, they search the world, and they look on Google, they look on the Internet, they look on patents, and, and they, they send me back a list of things that they feel could be uh, an obstacle to us getting our patent. And then I look at those, and, I, and then we may change our product to make sure it doesn't conflict. Once we go through that search stage, then we actually do the filing. That takes, uh, the, the first thing I just described takes anywhere, I do so many of these, it only takes about two weeks from the time that I tell them what I want before I decide if I'm going to file. Um, and then once you file, you won't hear anything back from the patent office. Uh, once you file, we do it electronically, we get an email receipt back that they've received it takes about a year before they'll even look at it. And then 99% of the time, they will absolutely reject your patent. They, I've only had one patent in my career that wasn't rejected instantly. And a lot of times they'll reject them because there's a line wrong in a drawing or there's, there's some words wrong in the description. Um, they, they, just, they, just, they just do it that way. You go back and forth with the examiner and then uh, once you uh, get the examiner to understand what you're doing and they feel there's no conflict, they, there's a, usually a 30-day, it gets published in a, in a, in a, a, a national uh, database that everybody in the world can see what it is and they can contest it. If nothing happens when the period of time the patent gets granted. And, um, but the way it works is from the time that I file a patent, they assume you're going to get the patent. So if somebody was to right now try to copy our product, we would actually go after them right now. We don't have to wait until we actually get the patent. That's super interesting. And when we're talking about the direct-to-mag system that you've just developed, it, does that patent go beyond just the FX? Because intellectually, when I'm looking at that as a layman, I think, wow, I've never seen anything that goes straight to a magazine, regardless of brand. So I, I, I want to know if that patent would be for all air rifle magazine systems. It is. It absolutely is. We, we could put this in any type of direct-to-mag application with any air gun that our product will, uh, the design will allow it to fit in. Yeah, you don't want to limit yourself to say, I only want to do one brand or else you diminish the value of the, of the patent. Right. Yeah, this is really revolutionary. I don't I think a lot of listeners will understand right away how cool this system is, but um, for those that don't know, the the ability and the ease to fill that magazine is going to be huge in the field. It's going to be huge in bench rest, um, all kinds of different applications. So it's really exciting to see that. Is there uh, any situations uh, for smaller manufacturers, especially smaller 3D printer kind of guys that are doing small amount of additive manufacturing and they're kind of looking at a patent? Are there any situations you would say to avoid for a small time 
person because I've I've had advice before uh, from people saying that a lot of times it's actually not worthwhile seeking out a patent depending on your level of income or the amount of money that you have saved up because I know it's a, an expensive process. So is there any advice you would give smaller manufacturers? Yes, there's if you're if you have an idea for a product, there's two ways to do it. And say the product is you 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 should always do a patent search. And that patent search, if if you're really careful, like if I if I spent the time to go on Google and I could spend maybe two three days searching the internet, I would be able to probably get an idea if that product is patentable or not. Um, what a lot of people do is I recommend to somebody that's just starting out. If you think that the product is unique, you don't necessarily have to file a patent. Sometimes it's what you want to do is just get the product manufactured and get it out there and see if you could make, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100,000 dollars off that product. That will give you the resources to file a patent the next time and have some resources to do it properly. So um, quite often um, there's a lot of products that I invented that we didn't patent because we didn't think it was economically worth it. So like, like for instance, this product, if you don't think you're going to sell a lot of them, uh, patents cost five figures. So in excess of $10,000, just roughly. So, you know, why, you know, we sell these for $80, $79 or something like that. If you're not, if you don't think you're going to sell, you know, thousands of these, then you probably shouldn't file a patent. And you've worked all over the world. And one of the questions I had for you is, have you had any intellectual property stolen abroad? What we, uh, what we do is primarily we file in the U.S. So every, if you want to have, um, the answer is yes, but I'll answer it another way. Primarily we file our patents in the U.S. because the U.S. is the biggest market for air guns. With this product, what we'll do is once, one, once, the, once the patent gets issues in the U.S., we have... I don't remember, six months or something like that to file internationally. We'll file in Sweden, we'll file in the Netherlands, we'll file in uh, uh, the UK, uh, other places that we have uh, interests. Um, and then if somebody tries to copy our product, say, say we don't file in China, somebody could literally take this product and completely duplicate it in every way in China. There's nothing I could do about it, if, unless they tried to sell it here. So the minute they try to sell it in any place that we've got issuance, then we can go after them. That's another thing too. People think that if they get a patent, that it actually protects them. It only protects them with as deep as your pocket. So for instance, if we we're blessed to be in a position, if, if, a, if even if a, a billion dollar company tries to copy our product, we have the resources to sue them. Um, and that would, that would you know, pretty much devastate you know, financially devastate the average working class inventor. So this is really what you really you have to think about a patent. I remember when I got my first patent, I thought it was really cool. After the 15th or 20th, it really didn't mean anything. We, we do it for business reasons. Um, it's, it's fun to get a patent. Um, but um, I think if you're not able to willing to defend it, you may not want to do it. Some people get patents just to license a product too. So for instance, with this product, once we have the patent, say for instance, I wanted to retire the second time, um, I could sell this to some interested party and collect royalties off of it yeah. without ever manufacturing. So that's another thing that an inventor, if they got a really great idea, they'll really say it's a really, I think this is pretty special. 
say they have an idea that's similar to this for a product, they could actually, they, it may be worth spending the $10,000 to file. And then instead of manufacturing, which is expensive to manufacture, they can go out and license it. You know, they can go to an air gun manufacturer or somebody else and say, listen, I've got this product, I've got this patent. Would you like to manufacture it? And I, all I want is, uh, and you basically you would sell it to them for a royalty. And every one they sell, they would cut you a check for a percentage of that. Yeah, and this product is so cool that it's going to be a bummer for anyone that doesn't have an FX impact. So on that note, is it hard for you now to go back to your previous feeder and loader system? I know they work really well, um, but is it hard to do that when you have this product now that's direct to mag? Uh, I, we're, we're, we're selling both of them just about the same rate. Uh, there's people, th th the problem with this product is it loads one mag at a time. So for instance, you could load, you could be, before you, say you're in your car and you want to, you want to shoot, uh, 200 rounds. You could take six stud mag loaders, you know, fill each one of those mag loaders in 15 seconds, 20 seconds with our system. And then you could shoot, you know, 200 rounds, you know, in the field. You know, you have to take this, you have to say you're in the field and you want to load your magazine, you know, you have to pour the pellets in, in the woods and you have to shake it. So this is, this is just, this is not designed to replace anything else at all. And I don't, we won't see, I, I'll guarantee you, we'll, we'll see no difference in the sales of our, of our main product line. This won't affect it at all. Uh, people are buying this now that have never been our customers before. And I, I do see the utility of the, the feeder loader system that you've had, especially at a place like EBR. Um, there's a lot of people that just still don't use them. And when I was at Extreme Benchrest this year, it was crazy seeing people try to really fast load their little magazines with their fingers and manipulate that pellet in. And if I had a, an FX Impact or a Maverick or any of these guns that you have, I'd be absolutely jumping on this. And this product, do you currently have it in stock? Yes, they've been shipping for two days. And so, uh, you're saying that's the, the best sales you've ever had with this product? The best introduction. We've never seen anything sell this much this fast. Wow, that's great. Um, so I'm going to dive into some other questions for you and where you sure. live right now. Uh, for Florida, do you, do you do any other kind of meetups with air gunners and do any shooting with air gunners in Florida? I don't. Um, I have a bunch of guys that I shoot uh, sporting clays with on Mondays, and then I bullseye shoot with my FW93 on Wednesdays. So no, I, don't, I, I only air gun by myself. The penultimate question I have for you is, do you have any other projects in the works for Stud Mag Loader? Right now, I've really got a full plate cleaning up the, uh, the mess I've started um, with this product. So I really got to, I've got to get the 177 and the 25 done because people are asking multiple times a day when it's going to be available. And I've got, uh, you know, another high capacity magazine to do for the Maverick, the 25. So... That'll keep me busy for a while. If I see something else that needs fixing um, like this, I'll certainly address it. And of course, we're being asked to produce a product like this for other people's guns. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, FX is selling, the, the product is selling well. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good tail for us to connect to, uh, you know, because uh, it makes their product more valuable and, you know, we can, and they're selling a lot of guns. So every time they sell a gun, it creates another potential customer for us. 
And my last question for you is on the last episode, you mentioned that you're trying to get your hands on a Delta Wolf magazine. Um, have you been able to do that? I have not. I have not. Uh, our supplier in England could not find one. And a couple people reached out to me locally. Um, so far, I haven't found one. I haven't looked that hard, but um, no, I have not found one. Okay, well, that's good to know. Well, uh, Doug, it was a real pleasure having you back on the Atlas Air Guns podcast. You're always invited back on, and I'm very excited about this product. I told a couple of my friends, I'm like, man, I've never been inclined to buy a an FX gun, but I really am after talking to you because these products are so cool how they really remove a lot of the frustration. So uh, just thank you for coming back on and people can follow you at dlhdev.com and they can also find you on places like Instagram and YouTube by typing in stud mag loader. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, they also can, our website also has two uh, ways you can get to it. You can do dlh.com or you can do studmagloader.com. Well, Doug, thank you very much for coming on the Atlas Air Guns podcast, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Atlas Air Guns podcast. Make sure to like with a five-star rating, share, and subscribe. Have a question? email atlasairguns at gmail.com.